Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Oh, hello there. How you doing? Nice to see you. <laughs> I don't know if I got enough, enough fodder here to to do an hour with you guys, so uh, anything you have to contribute would be uh, would be appreciated. I'm going to try to get through this show without giving myself a headache, which has been, unfortunately, happening. No, I liked it better where it was. My audio. Yeah, thank you. Uh, um, just... I really am. I give myself a headache. Do I do I do that to you? Because I mean, if I listened to a show that gave me a headache every day, I wouldn't listen. So the question is, if I do a show every day that gives me a headache and makes me queasy, why should I do it? There's an is it nascent? Yes. N A S C E N T. There's a nascent headache this morning right here and I'm I'm really trying to keep it at bay okay so <laughs> guys god dang everything everything I'm looking at is like so depressing I can't see straight is that really seriously is there some good news somewhere uh Well, the McKeesport special election thing uh, resulted in a 28-year-old, he got to be one of the youngest guys in the state legislature, 28-year-old black man, wow, being elected to the state legislature here and not from a totally urban district from a small town industrial district which i think is interesting cuz i my guess is that most of the blacks in harrisburg are probably coming out of uh well oh cities urban philly pittsburgh area so i mean it 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 was noted and this is the special now Either way, a black was going to get in since the Republican was a black woman running. She got trounced by the 28-year-old Dwight Evans. What's his name? Not Dwight Evans. I know who Dwight Evans is. What's his name? Austin Davis. Austin Davis, Dwight Evans. What the fuck's the difference? Two letters, multiple letters. All right. They each have two names. Trying to keep that headache at bay. <laughs> so the one thing I want to say about it is, um, as you know, I'm on Twitter. And uh, I I got this excited tweet from the actor John Leguizamo, who or I think that's how it's pronounced. He's got one of those names you never know how to pronounce. He's in, in every movie made, practically. And... Um, very much a uh, a progressive activist as well. And he excitedly tweeted out about the McKeesport special election and saying that it was yet again another flipped district. Um, and I looked at it and I... It made me for a minute think, Really? Was that a de- was that a Republican district? And then I thought, no. So that's a problem of people looking at these special elections. Who I, even I, I'm sure a lot of you might not have known was that district represented by a Republican or a Democrat? Why the hell would John Leguizamo know? Um, but he tweeted it out uh, triumphantly, and uh, in fact, it's not. Uh, it was a Democratic district held by a guy with the strange name of Gurgly, Gurgly, who got himself in some trouble with uh, 
what uh, gambling classic so anyway that was a democratic district it's still a democratic district there ain't no flip there there ain't no uh, you know whatever but there is the interesting thing of this very young black man who was working for county uh, executive rich fitzgerald um now uh, in harrisburg and god help him that's all i have to say Okay, um, we have a call. Good. Hello. Hang on. Hi, it's Susie from Swiss Home Park. Hi, Susie. I um, I'm a poll worker, and I got I don't usually work in the McKeesport area, but I was called into service to work in McKeesport for the special election yesterday. Yeah, how many people did you see? Four. Twenty-two. Out of 317 in, in uh, McKeesport 6-2, I was just floored. And McKeesport 6-1 saw, I think, 20. You know. I couldn't believe it. You know. You know, I would like. You tell me if we deserve uh, a democracy in this country. You tell me. I, I, I just don't understand it. And. I was talking with the the poll workers who usually work at that poll. They their judge was ill, so I was filling in as judge. Um, they told me that the the area is getting older, and they are having a very hard time getting to the polls or even finding people to take them to the polls. Um, and I said, well, don't they know that they can absentee get ballots? Absentee ballots. It's not that hard to apply, and all you have to say is, you know, you. I'm old. I can't. You're get... disabled. Right. You know, and you don't. I mean, you can say all sorts of different things, and they're just going to send you a ballot. I don't. Know, it's very. And, it, and, well, so your your call is not helping. And we had no absentee ballots. You had absentee no absentees. None. No um, absentee ballots. How, do, do, did I see a, a total vote count? How many? Uh, what was? The, how many people voted all together? My um, wait, we got I it know here. I saw it's that, but I can't remember. Nine thousand. Four thousand. God, work on your penmanship. Four thousand. Four thousand out of God knows and how you many. You know, there's a lot more people there. Yeah. Oh the yeah. Whole, the whole area was aging, and then here's oh. another. Here's another point. Um, you know, I, I train people to run the polls, so I know an awful lot about what it takes to put on an, a, 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 an election like this. It costs $1,000 for each poll. Wow. For an election. This was 10% turnout. Talk turn- about a waste of money. Yeah, 10% turnout. I, I, yeah. I, I don't think you can... Um, I, I just... We don't deserve. Uh, maybe we deserve exactly what we're getting. We're going to get uh, what uh, you can call it, kleptocracy and uh, oligarchy, uh, uh, you know, a totalitarian fascist state, whatever it is. We do not participate in our government, which means that it's a lie. There is no democracy really here. No, and, we, need, or, and we also need... We need to do something about trying to get people, I don't know, try, trying to get more people to the polls who are interested in voting. <laughs> well, you know, listen, you're doing, they, Susie, they are, you're doing your part. You're doing your part. You are, you are doing a lot of work. Uh, the rest of us need to step up, and uh, I don't know what we, I don't know. I don't know. I, I would imagine that we're all speaking to, you know, singing to the choir here because, uh, yeah. you know, people who would bother listening to a program like this are people who I'm sure vote. So, but right. we I got agree. we have to remember that we are in a minority of a minority of a minority, and it's it's very distressing. And I would imagine more so for somebody like you and the other uh, people who come out to do the work, uh, you know, who are there so that the rest of us can uh, have a voice in the government 
and you're greeted with a nine out of ten people turning their backs on you. That is just disgusting. It really is disgusting. Susie, yeah. I got another call. Thank you. You know, as right, we say, thanks. thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean it. I mean that. I love it. I love doing it. Okay. I love doing it. All right. I always wanted to do it, and I, I'm glad I do it. I love it. And we need more poll workers. Okay. We do. That's another thing. We need more poll workers. That's something I'm thinking I might do when I, you know, totally retire. Okay? Okay. All right. Well, we need you out there. Yeah, I'll be one of the old ladies. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> we have a, a call, I believe. Hi. Hi okay. Lynn, it's Beth. Okay. And I'm, I'm calling because I actually, I grew up in this district. You, oh, so you, this is, well. oh, this is your home. So it's 10% voter turnout, Beth. Well, let me tell you this. My parents still live in that district. Um, when they went to the polls yesterday, they were number 80 and 81 out of 1,200 at their polling place. Um, but let me just say this. First of all, if I hadn't mentioned to them and they hadn't seen online they wouldn't about know. the election, they wow. saw the signs, but there was nothing advertised of when this special election was in the area. Well, where would it be? Um, at? What, what would be the local source for them to... Is there well, and it used to be the Daily News. I, they don't have that anymore, huh? The McKeesport. And with that paper not existing, and, and that's right. been a big problem, I think, within that area is it, that area is really feeling that void because it really gave information solely to that that area. That Mon Valley. Uh, I mean, the other what? It's, it's Whitehall, yeah, I mean, it's McKeesport, White McKeesport, McKeesport Liberty Borough. Okay. It's, it's the, that pocket in there. Yeah. So the fact that you didn't have it really advertised, even local news, you know, and I don't watch it a lot, but even spot checking it, you know, there was no mention, hey, you're going to have a local election in this area. What, and by local um, news, wait a minute, Beth, you mean like local television news? Because they, even that, they even, don't I care. Guess, um, they don't care no, about well, some stupid special so, election. Or, or or county Board of Elections or, you know, a mailer going out saying, hey, there's a special election for Gurgley's district. Yeah. Uh, I um, I wondered yesterday, did I not? I said, how do people know about the now that you don't? That's a big problem. And that's what my parents said. They just started to see campaign signs go up, but they didn't know when the date. They thought, is it going to be the same date as the special election in the South Hills for the 18th district? Mm-hmm. They didn't know. But again, they went they went online and checked. There are a lot of people in that area that. Would not. First of all, they're not internet savvy or don't have internet for a large part of that area. Right. Um, so just to say, I think that was part of the problem. Also, growing up in that area, I'm just pleased as punch that you have an African American in that seat. Isn't that 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 is wonderful? It's it's unbelievable. So you know, look at it from John Leguizamo saying, yeah, they you know they flipped the district from historically white male. Who that's all that's ever had that seat for my entire life. For to a and young, young black male. District. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, that's the so good that, part. I think is is fabulous. Hey, you wonder what's ha- you know with the uh, demise of newspapers, of local papers. Yeah. You you start to see the uh, impact, and uh, television well, news where people supposedly get their local news. There's no way any local TV station covers every little, uh, you know, town and district. Um, and they sure as heck don't cover something as unexciting as some stupid special election. Um, they for, just don't. For state, I mean, for state house you know what they would have covered? A water main break in McKeesport. That would have been covered. No, 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 actually they wouldn't. But they cover every shooting that happens. happens okay, yes, every shooting. Right. Because there's been water main breaks, I can tell you, and that has not been covered. <laughs> Shocking. But, again, but. any shooting, of course, we're going to amp that up. Yeah. Definitely. And just on another, I have to say, I would love to see, first of all, two things. I've been thinking more and more in, as far as going into the 218 election. Can't there be pressure on Rich Fitzgerald and the County Board of Elections here to get us off of those electronic voting machines? Oh, God. There needs to be. I mean, it's it has unbelievable. To start somewhere, and I yeah. think really that's a pressure, big pressure point. 
And then the second thing is, you know, why don't we make our National Voting Day Veterans Day? What a way to honor the veterans is by going out and vote. And this way, more people can be involved in the process. Well, for one thing, just by that last thing you said, Republicans will not be in favor of more people having access to the polls. All they do is you know. I mean, why would you yeah. why would you have election day on a Tuesday and in some jurisdictions with voting hours so so few that there's no way a working person uh can right. get to the polls. It's it's despicable. It I mean, I don't I don't know. Well, just in travels, I know like with with the Atlanta mayoral election some people who lived on the other side of the county, which was still the city of Atlanta, their polls closed at 6 o'clock. I know. I, 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 and I know. Crazy. And there was actually a court injunction saying, you know, it, how can you have the polls open for this election in one area till 8, but in this other county they close at 6? It's ridiculous. It's just, it's I crazy. wonder why. You wouldn't mm-hmm. be trying to suppress a certain demographic from having uh, their voices heard. And another thing real quick about the special election was Saturday night my parents (laughs) got a knock at their door and here it was a Republican uh, person stomping and here they were from Ross Township in that area doing their door knocking. So you know what, if you could have some, some bigot from Ross Township coming into the McKeesport White Oak area door knocking Hey, any of us can go now into Dormont and the South Hills and do the same thing for Michael Lamb. Well, maybe you didn't hear, but in fact, the um, the Republican, uh, I think the RNC or the Senate, uh, has hired. They hire door knockers coming in from God knows. They don't care. They could be from Wyoming. They hire people, and already have. To knock on doors mm-hmm. in that district no, election, that so that is not—it's not you know really uh, activist uh, Republicans going knocking on doors. No, it's people doing it for money. Now, for Connor Lamb, I would imagine there will be enough volunteer energy out there to uh, do the same. I don't know, but I hope. I hope so, and I'll tell you, if anybody from his campaign is listening, they better step up their ads. And or just the quality of their ads, big time, because uh, <laughs> the one where he's talking to the veterans group, yeah, it uh, they need to pull that one and, and do some retooling. No, I agree. The, the one I've only seen one, but it's it's very bleh. it's it's very amateur. They need to uh, well, they maybe they don't definitely need to step it up. I don't know. Democrats, no. they don't. I mean, they know how to govern. But they don't know how to run and win elections. Incredible. And he's got a real, real good shot. He does. He He really does. All righty. That crazy district, it's amazing. Oh, God. Thanks, Lynn. Always good to hear from you, Beth. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Lou writes, we all have to start talking about longer voting periods. This workday Tuesday biz is a given that the majority is not going to make it to the polls. Purely logistics most of the time. Why does no one in Pennsylvania ever talk about extending the voting time period to allow more people easy access? Well, I don't know. We know that the Republicans work mightily to restrict the uh, ability of people who, by virtue of what demographic they are in, they fear would be voting for a Democrat. So they do it in the littlest teeny ways, location of a voting, uh, of, of, of a voting place. Um, I, Hours, Tuesdays, a work day, um, gerrymandering, uh, voter ID, uh, you know, making a big to-do that there's lots of voter fraud when there is not. Um, there's something. And I've, I've said this 
for a million years now, and I'll say it again, I do, although they're despicable. I tip my hat to them for doggedly pursuing these little teeny, seemingly teeny little fixes. Because you add them all up, and over time, you end up with almost, with the vast majority of states under total Republican control, and the U.S. government under Republican control. When, if you ask Americans, what is your party affiliation, Republicans are like, what, 30-some percent? They know how to do it. And Democrats, and I'm including all of us, we don't have the same kind of uh, fire in the belly. We don't have the same, you can say, well, because we play by the rules. <laughs> well, then, time to change the rules, I guess. Um, what is this you sent me? This is sad. You trying to give me a headache? <laughs> a faith-based humanitarian group that provides aid and shelter to undocumented migrants on the southwestern border is now the latest target of uh, ICE and the Trump administration. Eight members of this group, which is called No More Deaths, have been charged with federal crimes in uh, recent months. Uh, after, including one who was arrested shortly after the publication of a report documenting abuses by the Border Patrol. Have you seen that video of Border Patrol people? finding these big jugs of water that groups like this, I assume probably this group, this group puts out so that somebody who is desperately trying to get into the country won't die of thirst, I guess. And the Border Patrol, this guy's laughing as he does it. They're kicking these things over. They're taking it and happily... I mean, that, to me, is evil. Pure evil. Okay, we have a call. Hello, caller. Hey, Lynn, it's Mike in D.C. Hi, Mike. So when I was a kid and we voted, or when I went with my parents to vote, it was in Brookline, and you went, and all the poll workers knew your mom and your dad, and then the first time you voted, they were all like, this is your first vote. Everybody, everybody. And there's this big book that you signed. And every time you voted, it was your signature. Right. Now it's all done with your driver's license, at least in Virginia it is. So why do I have to go to one particular polling place? Well, that's true. That doesn't you mean that record sense. isn't everywhere? Huh. Why can't I go with my driver's license? To any polling place, by my office, by the grocery store, why do I have to go to the one by my house? And why do they get both? Why do they have to have it both ways? You have to show your ID, and you have to go to the one by your house. I, I it's so rigged. Unfair needs a new word for unfair. <laughs> well, it's stupid too if the purpose is to allow as many people to have easy access to the polls. It's just stupid. So what you got to figure is there's something else going on, and it is, in fact, the uh, intention of suppressing the vote. And there's one way to balance the budget, and that's to make voting mandatory. And if you don't go, you're fined $50. Well, I believe that's what Australia does. That would pay down so much debt. People <laughs> yeah, still wouldn't yeah. go, probably. Yeah. But that would money, pay down money. so much debt. Yeah. But would also not elect Republicans, so it's never going to happen. No, none of this is. 
a- anytime you try to, you know, broaden the uh, franchise, you, you, uh, Republicans fight tooth and nail and never stop, never stop. <clears throat> no. And why, when I go to the grocery store, my phone dings that I just made a purchase for seventeen sixty three, and I can look at my phone and say, yeah, that was me. But when I go and vote, there's nowhere I can go to look to see if my vote was indeed counted. I'm trusting that the poll workers aren't, you know, jiggling the wires as I'm putting my my form in. I'm trusting that Russia hasn't built in software or China that's counting two Republicans to every one Democrat. Right. So if we're going to do this electronically with my driver's license, I have to show ID, then I want to see where I voted and if my vote counted. And that is... Why do they get to have it both ways? Well, that yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and and the fact that every state and every and the federal government have not moved with incredible speed to secure our uh, our voting system uh, tells you something, and and you're right. I don't think the Democrats have uh, have been heard much on this. I'm I don't know what they're so afraid of. I mean, I know why the government reopened, and it's because war profiteering companies who lose money when the government's closed um, came down on them and said, you've got to open the government. We're losing, you know, $16 trillion a day. So they ca- they caved. But why are they caving? Why aren't they addressing this? What American is going to say, no, voting should be, voting should be um, a system that's easily rigged? And those Republicans who are purposefully doing it should be careful, because right now it's not, it's in their favor. Someday it might not be. Yeah. You guys are doing nothing to help me from keeping this headache I'm at sorry. bay. That's quite all right. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's really yeah, okay. Yeah, I, a friend and I, a friend and I, a friend of mine and I, we talk about reading the newspaper like avoiding landmines. Yeah. Oh, there's one I'm not going to read. Right. Oh, there's one I can't read. <laughs> no, really. And I go through about five mm. a day looking for stories I can read that won't raise my blood pressure. Right. It's no way to start the day, I'll tell you that. Get you off on the wrong foot every every time. Oh, God. Well, so, my, uh, avoid those landmines okay. on vacation. Okay, you too. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Um, by the way, uh, Trump... Uh, you may recall, uh, pledged when he became president, he said, I am not going to profit off of the the presidency. <laughs> and he pledged to donate the profits that he received from any foreign government staying at Trump Hotel. He, anything he made when the Saudis came in and everybody else came in and stayed at his fancy hotel in D.C., he was going to pull out and give to the U.S. Treasury. Uh, just asking, do you think he's done that? Right. The answer is no. Uh, the answer has no, even though he has hosted incredible numbers the trump hotel there events and stays by saudis malaysians kuwaitis all this stuff no payments have been uh made to the u.s treasury and uh apparently somebody asked a question like uh where are the uh where's that ill-gotten gains you said you'd give to the American people. And uh, he has said, uh, well, we'll uh, maybe uh, be uh, making a payment uh, near the end of next month. They're always later, (laughs) later, never, ever, ever happens. Um... I just wanted to also uh, note that we are still in the first month of this year, 
And in the first month of this year, in these United States, there have already been 10 school shootings. 10. And you know what's amazing? Is that comes as news to all of us. What? There have been 10? Essentially, one every other day. Okay? Someone's been shot and killed in an American school. The president, of course, has not tweeted anything about the latest one, which saw two young people killed, 15 others, I believe, wounded, some grievously. And the president instead is tweeting about cry, sobbing Schumer. You know who tweeted something about it in sympathy? The Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau. He responded. I follow, He responded. He had a tweet about, oh gosh, I'm so, so what, what a horror. I am so sorry. Ten school shootings since January 1. And if you think this shithole country is not now filled with people, including you and me, who have become numb and inured, I think that should do it. But it won't. <laughs> it won't. Hey, and so this guy uh, called CNN a number of times, this guy outside Detroit, and uh, threatening to kill um, everybody there. To, uh, he called, I can't remember how many times, like 20 times. Every time he called, it got more ridiculous. A lot of uh, going to kill all the Jews there things. A lot of going to kill the blacks there things. Clearly a racist, anti-Semite, uh, lunatic. Uh, and, and he kept saying, because of your fake news, your fake news, your fake news. He's arrested. And are you aware? He's already free. His bail was set at some ridiculous, I think $10,000. And he's, uh, he's home. He's back home. Let's imagine a Muslim, excuse me, let's imagine a Muslim or a black person or a brown person called CNN or anybody else 20 times and said all this stuff. I'm going to kill you, I'm going to this, I'm going to that, and yada, yada, yada. The president would be tweeting up a storm about how we got to secure our borders. They're out to kill us all. But here is a white guy who's clearly been aided in his worldview by the President of the United States and by the Republican Party. And all of those, I mean, all of these things, you think these tweets and the tone don't set people off? I remind you of a number of other incidents that have happened. I mean, unbelievable. People believing this crap, thinking Hillary Clinton's running a, has children enslaved in a pizza joint. I mean... By the way, this argues against compulsory voting in America. Do you really want to mandate that every friggin' fool and bigot in this country has to go to the polls? I don't watch Fox News because I have, as I said, 
enough of a blinding headache. But they're on to something new. Have you heard about it? There is a secret society, they claim, in the FBI that is actively working to overthrow the duly elected President of the United States. And none other than a senator from Wisconsin, Ron Johnson, was on their air peddling this. That within the FBI, there is a secret society whose only aim is to overthrow the government of the United States. Fox News. And as I pointed out before, <clears throat> while we uh, we watch in horror at uh, Trump in the White House, stuff's getting done. And so this Republican agenda is being passed, created, enforced. This latest, this tar these tariffs he uh, announced, uh, I believe yesterday, tariffs on the import of uh, s solar panels uh, manufactured, obviously, abroad. And everybody who has bothered to look at the impact of this will tell you that it will not create a fraction of the jobs it will destroy. <clears throat> this was something done at the bidding of two solar panel manufacturers in this country who, by the way, both of whom are foreign-owned. They're just put their factories here, but they're foreign-owned. The solar industry in general is the fastest-growing I don't want to call it an industry, I guess. Okay, fastest growing industry expected to be in the next decade. And that is solar panel installation, particularly. Which is a very hands-on, labor-intensive kind of, a, of, an, uh, of an industry. Which gives lots of jobs to lots of Americans all over this country. And while we don't make most of the solar panels that Americans are using, they are imported. But all the other stuff, the frames on which the solar panels, those are manufactured here. There's a lot of other stuff, and if you look into it, it is so depressing. More than 260,000 Americans... A quarter of a million Americans are now working in the solar power industry. You know how many are working actually making solar panels? Which is what the tariff is about? 2,000. 2,000. And yet he puts in jeopardy 260,000 jobs. I got to tell you, the Wall Street Journal of all places today has an editorial decrying the stupidity. Far more workers are employed in areas that underpin the growing use of solar technology in this country. By raising the cost of this all-important ingredient, though, the panel. 
the tariffs are going to make solar power less competitive with other sources of energy, uh, less appealing, and definitely more expensive. The Solar Energy Industries Association said that the president's action yesterday would result probably in the loss of about 23,000 jobs in the solar industry this year. There are more people working in the solar power industry in America than are working in coal and oil combined. Do you believe that? It's true. We have a call. Hi, caller. Yeah, good morning, Lynn. Hi. Good morning, Lynn. Hi. Hey, Lynn, I'm a um, solar power customer. I've been it for about a year now. Mm-hmm. And my panels came from China. Mm-hmm. I very strongly, I'm 100% solar. I worked with Solar City for a while. It didn't work out, but uh, I, that's the company I went with and, on top of my roof. And uh, this is just critical. I mean, we're Trump's going down a rabbit hole that's... Well, you know, what you said the two solar panel companies that, want, that don't want this. Yeah. It's the oil and gas companies well, that, who it, came to the lobbyists and said, right. hey, this industry's taken over here. What can you do for us, Trump? You promised us coal, coal mines and, and pollution. And you're not fulfilling it. Well, Trump's trying his best to do give you pollution and environmental toxicity. I don't... That's the other thing. What the hell... So, I mean, I, I thought I was depressed listening to your show. You got me more and more depressed. And then at the end, it's like the power punch. Mike, here you go. Bang. You're done now. For the con- I don't know what to do. I don't know what the hell to do. Lynn. Do you know what the second grow, uh, fastest growing industry is uh, right now? Uh, servicing more and more, I mean, creating more and more jobs. Wind, uh, 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 servicing wind turbines. I mean, we could go renewable because we've got the battery technology. And if we would have. Uh, one thing I will say about Hillary Clinton, if she would have been president, we would have been. There have been solar panels everywhere, mm-hmm. and it would have been she would have been in renewable energy, and we'd be talking to all these other countries about building new bridges and opening new doors. But instead, we're throwing rocks at the windows, busting everything, throwing pollution in the ground, and then and all the companies in this country, the, the gas companies are. They're, they're, what I can't understand, Lynn, if, if this would solve the problems, the companies that are willfully violating environmental hazards, those executives should not be able. to we should be able to pierce the corporate veil and say, you are personally and you're going to jail. And not Blank and Smith from stupid West Virginia. He comes out after a year and is worse. I know. They he's worse. They should put his ass back in jail for time. He right. should have been in jail for life, but he did. He comes out and says, right. okay, I'm going to get... I, I understand. I happen to catch him. I happen to hear some loathsome uh, babbling on, on the radio the other day. And... It became apparent it was Blankenship, and I thought, oh, my God, he's out, and he's not only out, but he's even more uh, right. demonic, repulsive, yes. and seeking yes. revenge. What a yes. despicable human being. Oh, well. Hey, I'm really sorry to have... Um, yeah, thanks, Lynn, for the... Headaches for everybody! <laughs> Lynn, it'll be good when you go on vacation. Maybe we all need it for we a We all should go. You know what? Enlightened. I'm doing you a favor. I'm doing you well, a I favor. I, I care about exactly. you. All right. Thank you, Lynn. I Thank know you. you do. I do. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Jesus H. Jesus H. So remember Richard Trumpka, head of the AFL-CIO, former mine worker, since we're on energy kind of thing. Uh, he was, he, remember, he was flirting big time with Donald Trump. I don't think he endorsed him ultimately. But he was sitting on his councils and, you know, generally giving him a chance. Uh, well, Trump is back in the fold. Uh, he said yesterday about the president's first year, that he has actively hurt working people 
and that, I'm getting some other quotes, what he's doing hasn't matched what he said. Oh, Richard, really? You're shocked, are you? Hmm? Shocked. I figured at the time he just was catering to his racist base in as much as, you know, the the Trump Democrats, the Reagan Democrats, that crowd. But Trump can now has seen the light. Here's what he says. President Trump has used his office to actively hurt working people. He has joined with corporations and their political allies to undermine the right of workers to bargain collectively. Shocking, Richard. He has taken money out of our pockets and made our workplaces less safe. Can you imagine he would have done that? He has divided our country, abandoned our values, and given cover to racism and other forms of bigotry. Yeah, all that was obvious before you cozied up to him. When Trump was inaugurated, uh, the AFL-CIO did an internal survey of their membership and found that 45% of them voted for him. So that's almost half. Unionized Americans. Friggin' fools. Voting for a guy who only cares about the people who will make their jobs less safe, who will make their futures less safe, who will screw them one, up one side and down the other at, with the, ugh, stop, Colin, just stop. Anyway, they did another internal poll the other day. And maybe this is a little glimmer of good news. And now, instead of 45% of AFL-CIO members thinking Trump is the bee's knees, now only 37%. So a caller yesterday was saying that he was bumping into Trump voters who are disappointed, are sorry. You can apologize to me till you're chartreuse in the face and I'm not accepting it. Okay, so we still have 37% of AFL-CIO members still thinking Trump is wonderful. And that's that 30... Don't, don't... I mean, come on. That's the base. Uh, voting against their own well-being. Unbelievable. Oh, when I get this down, I got to do it. The obituary of the day, ladies and gentlemen. It always picks my spirits up. <laughs> For one thing, I, uh, I'm glad that whoever the deceased is will never have to have a headache again or feel queasy when they read a newspaper, right? They're in a better place. Hugh Masekela. That name ring a bell? It should. Dead at 78. Born in South Africa. Went into exile. I mean, a lot of South Africans just get the hell out when they can, and he was one of them. He was a, uh, he was a hell of a trumpet player, guys. And he was an activist as well. It was after the uh, carnage of the Sharpeville massacre, which happened in, um, you know, outside of Johannesburg, where I think, well, it says here what? 69 protesters were killed uh, by police. And that happened in um, 
1960. And that's when he said, I got to get out of here. In part, it was because the apartheid government after Sharpsville, Sharpville uh, banned any public gathering of more than 10 black people. So that you couldn't have, you couldn't have a concert. <clears throat> and so he thought, I want to do my thing. I want my, my band and I to, to do what we do. We got to get the hell out of here. So he left. And it was Harry Belafonte and Miriam Makeba who helped him secure actually a scholarship uh, to the Manhattan School of Music where he studied classical trumpet for four years. And then he was just off, and by the way, he married Miriam Makeba. It didn't go too well, but he married her for a bit. And, of course, he didn't return to South Africa for 30 years. Left in 60 at Sharpville and came back in 90 when Mandela was released and he would often end his concerts with uh, tributes to Mandela with his audience holding fists in the air song is the literature of South Africa he said over the 30 years he was a man without a country, he never even considered taking citizenship in any other nation. Because he was South African and he would only take it when South African was a country he could be proud of to return to. Yeah, If you've never heard him, he by the way is is also playing on, he played on the Paul Simon uh, Graceland uh, tour. Um, and they, of course, did not tour in uh, South Africa. That was in 1986. So, sorry to hear he's gone. Hugh Masekela. Louis Armstrong gave him a trumpet once. It was a oh, guys. Okay. Um, what else I got here? Do I got anything? Somebody has reminded me. You guys are amazing. I'm always in awe of people who remember dates. Um... Whenever I was asked, when did you start, how long have you been in radio? I would say, I don't know. And they'd say, how long have you been doing this? You know, affiliated with City Paper. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what date I started doing this. I don't know what year. I don't even have a clue. And I'm always amazed when people know, and so many do. Or like remember what their first paycheck was, what they were paid. Every, anything that has to do with numbers does not stick in my head at all. So that would be dates and money and all kinds of stuff. It just has no, it doesn't. But the reason I'm saying this is because one of you has... Um, reminded me of something I wouldn't have known. This is from Paul. And he says, I can't believe it will be seven years for Uncle Dougie on Thursday. Well, see, I can't believe that either. So that action, boy, that means I might have been doing this for ten He's talking about Doug Hirth, for those of you who don't know, who was a Pittsburgh talk radio 
personality of uh, true uniqueness. Nobody like him. Doug and I worked um, at the same stations through much of our careers. And um, we were as different as people could be. We didn't always get along, but we had great respect for each other. I would sometimes listen in awe to his ability to tell a story. He was something. And where I can't remember anything, he never forgot a thing. Not a thing. He was sort of a bit of a polymath. He never went to college, and yet he knew so much stuff. And some of the stuff he knew, because he cared so much about is he, he knew everything there was to know about uh, early rock and roll. And he knew everything there was to know about the Kennedy assassination, which is why he and Cyril Wecht were such fast friends. And when he lost his job because talk radio, and he didn't do a conservative talk show. He didn't do a liberal one either, let me tell you. Uh, it killed him. Because they not only took, those sons of bitches, they not only took his talk show away, they took his oldies show away. A show he did just on Sundays, Sunday nights. If he had just had that, I think he'd still be alive. It killed him. He's been gone seven years. Wow. Well, hard to believe. But for those who remember those golden years of talk and they go back to WTAE AM radio, we had the most extraordinary lineup. And I doubt you could beat that lineup anywhere in the country. It was eclectic. Everyone from, uh, you know, liberal to uh, libertarian indecipherable character like Doug and Devlin, Phil Music. And we all sat there at the same desk of Myron Cope. What great talk, Stan Saverin. What great talk it was then. And it was not the reason. I, I, it wasn't like my show was the liberal show. My show was just the Lynn Cullen show. It was personality driven. Not politically driven. And you know what? You didn't get headaches listening to it. You didn't get headaches doing it. It was joyous. And even when it was political and contentious, it was everybody mixing it up. So I would get callers who disagreed instead of the amen corner we all have now. We are less in every way because of the divisions of this country. And again, I credit the despicable burning now in hell Roger Ailes. Oh well, isn't that a nice way to end the show? Because I am, I'm going to... Uh, I think it's a good way to end the show. Uh, just thinking with joy. If you believe in the hereafter, if you believe in heaven and hell, I want you to have a happy moment thinking of the torment of Roger Ailes. Okay? It might lift your spirit. Just a bit. And I have to tell you, my headache feels better already. I'll see you tomorrow. Lynn Cullen Live. 
Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.